0: Blog Talk
1: Radio. It's happening again.
2: Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. www.yagain.org, And now, your co-hosts, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Hi, and welcome to the show. Today is Friday, August the 19th, 2016. And our call-in number is 646 200 Six nine, Press 1 And that puts you in queue to talk to us And we would love to hear your comments And your questions Because that makes this your show And we do already have a hand up But let's first welcome Michael
1: Thank
3: you dear heart And welcome everybody We're honored that once again you join us today To share in The understanding of these ancient tools And this Comprehension of this ancient state of being that is designed for us as human beings but lost to antiquity. So imagine that the world of actuality you know we've talked over the years a lot about
4: reality
3: versus actuality, and Harvard says that in a time frame where ten thousand brain cells fire the max amount of data that gets into our conscious awareness, into our perceptual system, is nine bits. So, we're living in a mind that shows us nine bits of data out of 10,000 brain cells firing. So, that's a pretty small amount of conscious awareness. And then it's been estimated that there are approximately two trillion bits of data potentially available in the world. What if we're designed to live connected to all 2 trillion bits. What if all of humanity down through the ages have made up a story and the story consists, let's say, of 5,000 pieces of the 2 trillion bit world. And here are seven and a half billion people all trading stories out of that 5,000 bit reservoir Thinking that that's what life is really about. Thinking that the appearances that show up in our minds, remember Yeshua 2,000 years ago says, do not judge by appearances and, and do not turn to that mind for your life because there is no life there. Remember, he's talking to the Pharisees and he says, I have a different father than you. I go to my father Where there is truth, you turn to your carbon-based memory, in essence is what he's saying, your father, that which sources the world that you see and that you experience through your perceptual system is all dead and from the past, and therefore there is no truth in it. And so if we live connected to this 5,000 pieces of the puzzle, when we're designed to be connected to 2 trillion, what do you suppose it feels like in our physiology to be that disconnected? And my offering is that when you engage in the forgiveness process, you dissolve the 5,000 pieces and make the bigger connection to who you really are and who we are really designed to be as human beings. And so that's what we're here to experience. That's what we're here to explore. And the main tool, if you've not engaged in it yet, forgiveness, is a tool for dissolving or removing that which is stored in your body's mind that keeps you asleep, in those dynamics of the past, the dramas, the traumas, the pains, the fears, the hates, the vengeances, the griefs, and the pains of past generations. And so our invitation is to come out of that, come out of Egypt, come out of the darkness, come out of the world, the mind of hostility, fear, grief, rage, drama, and trauma, and, and, of course you come out of it progressively it's a it's a stage by stage step by step process where you choose to give that up And when someone does a behavior that triggers that in you, instead of clenching your fist, clenching your jaw, and making sure they know that they're the problem in your life, you stop, you breathe, you soften your jaw, you soften your fist, and you go, oh, this tightness is about me. I think I need to forgive this. I think I need to remove this, which I'm attached to. And the things we are most attached to are the power person dynamics of our lives. A power person, if you haven't been with us before when we've talked about that, it's a concept we introduce in our codependence to interdependence work. A power person is the person who at some stage in your life had more power over your life than you do. You perceive the circumstance as survival and they were not functioning as human beings. We're not functioning as love. If we have unresolved power person dynamics, and usually they're very very highly charged energetic situations that need deep, deep, deep work in order to remove. If you haven't ever accessed and removed those dynamics, if you didn't even know where they were there, then I guarantee there are three things that run your life, three behaviors that are possible for you to do. And, Which behavior you click into and do depends on how much stress you're under. When there's no stress, you'll do whatever your power person did, or pardon me, whatever you did to get along with your power person. When stress starts to build, you'll do what you did to resist and survive with your power person. And when you become ultra-stressed, you'll do what your power person did to you that you hated the most. I'd offer That's what runs the world. That's what keep us, keeps us locked into a limited 5,000 pieces of the puzzle to, to keep delving into for our perceptions. And everything that is experienced from that is just a variation on a theme and keeps us in the same game over and over and over again. We're looking to liberate you from that game. Yeshua said, know the truth. Know how that works, and you will be free of it. And he said, don't stand around and watch me doing it. You know, if you remember with the disciples, there came a point where said, I'm getting out of here because you're relying on me too much. You'll notice that virtually everybody in the world is still looking for him to do it. He can't do it for you. You've got to do your work. He said, you must take up your cross and follow me. And what is your cross? Your cross is that piece of emotionally traumatic energy that holds you out of a full-blown state of experiencing yourself and your world as the active presence of love. So that's what we're here to support you in. We're honored and delighted that you're here to, uh, to be with us in this process. And uh, Jeannie is Dr. Tim with us today.
2: He is, and he's on.
4: Hey there, young man. How are you today, sir? I'm doing quite well, thank you. Awesome. I think, What's um, exciting in your world? Well, I think the the theme for me for the past couple of days is the um, tools for unraveling tools for uncovering what i've been hiding from myself so the mind shifter tool and um, the way way of mastery uh, has its own version of a mind shifter and any way i can recognize that i'm not in coherence if i'm not in love if i'm not calm and then use that as a signal for me to pick up a tool and try to figure out what is it i'm holding on to and and actually hiding from myself somehow with the the mind shifter adding energy to the thoughts i'm hiding from myself and uh we had a a support group last night and um that was one of the topics i'd had a couple of people in in the office yesterday that were struggling with that and um Two patients yesterday were also struggling with, what is my purpose in life? Now that this job has come to an end and I need to start another job, what, what what, am I doing? And I'm doing something and everybody agrees I'm excellent at doing this. I'm really, really good at doing this thing. And yet I'm not happy doing it. So we were having a conversation about how can they figure out what they're good at doing and what they really like to do and use that to find a purpose in life that's going to nurture and and reward them and the world around them. And of course, as you might imagine, that brought us to the discussion about purpose, personal power and commitment. You have a 2-hour lecture on that with a worksheet involved and and so I was using that um, twice yesterday in sessions with people. And then we had the group and a third person in the group spoke up and said almost verbatim what two other people were saying yesterday about how here I am in this situation and i was just really good at this one thing, but I'm miserable doing it. So... That's my theme for today, and I'd love to hear your input on that because uh, I, I derive, you know, probably half of what I use with people these days from your purpose, personal power, and commitment talk. When it comes to okay, here I am at a crisis point in my life, and I need to decide what to do next. So, well, we just um, did that workshop in the um,
3: the nine day intensive it's a piece of the why is just happening to be again intensive and of course the, the key there is to overcome or work through the culture's brainwash because the culture has a use for you and it wants to use you for its purposes it really isn't too interested in people doing what they're here to do you know you'll see counselors in school and all and they'll say as you offered in this uh this intro that you're doing Tim well here's what you'd be really good at they've got all the testing set up and here's how it will fit into the commercial system so you need to become a whatever it is we have a young man at the intensive who was sharing yesterday as we were talking about purpose how He wanted to do something when he was uh, getting ready to go to college that was difficult and challenging and meaningful. So he went to engineering school and went through that and was good at it. But by the time he got to the end of engineering school, it's like, do I really want to spend my life designing and deciding what size boilers should be in order to handle uh, a water heating system or, you know, whatever. And, he didn't even bother taking the exam for his engineering uh, license because it's like, it's not what I want to do. I'm aware of a woman, you know, in our purpose personal power and commitment workshop one year, oh, this goes back probably seven, eight, ten years ago. There was a woman there who shared that a friend of hers had insisted that her son was going to be a doctor, You're going to be a doctor. You're going to, and he went all through medical school and, He completed his medical degree, walked across the stage, got his degree, walked down into the audience and gave his degree to his mother and said, there you go, Mom, and went out and got himself a job as a truck driver. The world pushes us for what it wants and oftentimes, sadly, there's no support for who am I really, what am I really here for? There's no inquiry in that regard. So, that's what we've done with this particular workshop and there are things that will point us to how to bypass the brainwash of the culture and really truly experience and fulfill our real purpose. And as energy, you know, one of the examples that I use in that workshop is I say, you know, I I use the example of let's imagine cancel the thought. I take an eye shell out of my eye and I lay it up here on the lectern Now, it would seem reasonable to assume that an eye cell would experience fulfillment and aliveness and joy if it knows itself as a part of what it is as an eye or an eye cell and is seeing. That would be fulfillment. If I lay it up here on the lectern, Can that I sell ever experience fulfillment? Can I give it enough power, money, sex, stuff, things, you know, houses, cars, you know, know, excitement, gold? Can I give them enough? No. Can I give them a big enough bank account to make them happy? No. And yet people are like that I sell. They are separate and separated from who they are. I love Einstein's quote in that regard where he says, if you think you're separate or separated from the rest of humanity, you're living in an optical delusion. We've been brainwashed by a culture that has a use for us, and by God, it's going to do its best to use us regardless of what we're here for. And so that worksheet, and people can go to the website, www.whyagain.org, and the first words at the top of the page are start here. Click it. Or go down a little further, and there's a bullseye in the middle of the page. Click it. And when you do, scroll down the page, and you'll see the purpose worksheet. Print it off. There are four steps to it. The first step is make a list of ten things that are unique talents or characteristics that you have. Unique being not just things that you can do, but, but things that you have your own unique way of doing them. Then the second list is 10 things you enjoy doing. And then what's your vision of the perfect or utopian world? You know, as a kid, we came in knowing what we could do. And then the world that wanted to use us for its purposes and brainwash us out of that told us, well, that's utopian. That's silly. Nobody could do that. That's not the way the world works. And I offer the reason the world doesn't work that way is because everybody's been told it can't work that way. The truth is, if we can get enough people fulfilling our purpose, that would be the only way the world would work. And so what's my vision of a perfect world? When I complete those three sections, and I've seen people take a long time just to get through the list of ten unique characteristics because they've been told over and over again by their power person and by the world how useless they are, how they'll never make it, how they don't have any skills, and da-da-da-da-da-da. Everyone is a unique genius is my offering and our unique genius is what we came to the world to express. So when I take those three areas and I fill them in and then I start to synthesize them. the second half of the worksheet is a statement of synthesizing those three, um, lists or statements. So I synthesize my, um, And and Jeannie, by the way, do you happen to have your purpose statement there handy? Maybe you could share it with people. And, And this is something that, you know, most people, in order to come out of the brainwash, in order to come out of Egypt, it takes them two, three, four years to really hone and complete their purpose statement. And when they do, the bottom half of the sheet is a statement that synthesizes the things I enjoy doing, the... Uh, skills that i have and my vision of what a perfect world would look like and when i then use that to tap into my purpose i i I now have a succinct definition of my secondary purpose although at first and the reason it usually takes people two three four even five six years to complete it is because there's so much brainwashing there that it takes time to work through the brainwash. And so as people carry, I usually suggest that people carry the uh, the statement of purpose that they've developed around on a three-by-five card. And every time that they're going to do some particular behavior, the first thing they do is look at that card and say, is that on purpose? Am I? In, is this in alignment with who I am and what I'm here for? And if it isn't, it doesn't matter how appealing it will be. You just don't do it. And when it is in line with your purpose, even if it's something you don't particularly like to do, you have to do it because it's your purpose. It's just what will end up happening, and it's what will bring fulfillment, aliveness, and joy. So, Jeannie, do you have to have your purpose statement handy that you might share?
2: I do. And uh, first... Um... I'll read just a couple of things from my list because just reading the final uh, purpose statement, it's challenging to catch, okay, well, what are your talents or what are your things you enjoy doing? So the ten things I listed as my uh, unique characteristics or talents or skills was I have a love for learning, I have teaching skills or organizational skills, Administrative abilities, uh, listening ability, speaking to people, whether it's individually or as a group or class, um, sharing love, uh, do sign language, t- drawing, poetry. And then the 10 things I enjoy doing um, searching for truth, sharing my understanding, people, teaching, serving, living for God, working, playing, creating relationships, traveling, and eating out. <laughs> and then My perfect world is that everyone and everything exists as God created it to be in love, truth, and harmony. And so then working with those lists, and it took me probably three years, I don't know, uh, working on it, tweaking it, and rewriting it. And so here's how it came out, the final uh, paragraph. And I've added a little bit and and Edits it a little bit off and on, but it's basically been the same for a couple of years now. It says, I now use my love for learning to search for truth and then use my teaching skills to share my understanding with those whose paths I cross. I now use my organizational administrative abilities to serve God, not man. Whether I listen or speak, work or play, wherever I go on this earth, whatever relationships are created, I will stay committed, fully aware, responsible, and connected to God. I will radiate the love in me to be a clear voice to my calling so that my life produces a longing in others to follow in the way of truth, to live for God, and to likewise make a difference, to have such an impact on this planet that would create the shift toward love and truth and harmony as God originally created us to live. So that is my purpose statement. I hear a lot of racket, but I don't know if you're back with us, Michael. (laughs) I am. Okay.
3: I am back. Awesome. My apology. I thought my mute button was on. So there's an example of what a purpose statement would be, and I'll share mine because it, uh, I think, helps people to hear that, well, you know, I think it was Confucius who said, if a man have no goal, he will achieve it. If I have no vision, if I, and, and the scriptures say, for a lack of vision, my people have perished. So to really start to look with the idea of purpose rather than you know, the basic message of the culture, especially since so-called science has taken over the world, is, well, you're just a chunk of protoplasm. You know, so what? Do whatever you're told to do. Do whatever will make you money. And, uh, and that suffices for so many people. So in sharing my purpose statement, I now use my being, compassion, caring, processing capacity, and ability to nurture people along with my communication skills and ability to synthesize information and gently confront people to learn and teach true forgiveness on a planet-wide scale. As my beloved and I travel the planet, every interaction we have inspires each person who hears us to contact and express their highest creative abilities and being so that together we create a world where each supports every other in full expression of their true essence and purpose defining and setting plans and goals that supports full achievement of this purpose and doing the things that carry it out while maintaining time for each other to play, keep romance alive and heal together are easy, automatic and are supported by Bruka and all of life. So there are a couple of examples of what a, a finished purpose statement might look like out of that worksheet. And I don't know, Tim, do you happen to
4: have a statement of your purpose statement handy that you might share? Well, I don't have the um, actual statement, but it to format. But it it boils down to I'm going to use a significant amount of my time, intelligence, money, and energy every day to teach, lead groups, and offer support to people in learning to live as the active presence of love in each moment. Yay.
3: And my offering is that only people who live on purpose have actual, true personal power. The rest of it's all bravado. And the best definition I've been able to come up with for personal power is it's the ability to be continuously aware of and function out of my highest guidance rather than the ability to be controlled by the latest whim that goes down the pike or the latest desire of the government or the church or the, the business or the you know, commercial leadership of the world, that really I'm guided by something other than the energetic dynamics of the world. And most people when they come into the world are set up to be controlled by whatever is rolling around them, whatever energies are moving there's a little story that I like to read at the beginning of the uh, Purpose, Personal Power, and Commitment uh, workshop, and you can order the whole workshop on our website, yagan.org under the, uh, the section on, on products. But this is, this is a transcript of an actual radio conversation between a U.S. naval ship and Canadian authorities off the coast of Newfoundland back in October 1995, so it goes back a few years. But um, here's how it goes. And this, just, to me, just in a very uh, uh, tongue-in-cheek way, points up how if we're not functioning out of our purpose, we try to find some way to pump ourselves up to feel good about ourselves and to feel powerful, and it's all based in falsity and leads to war. So here's the uh, the conversation. Americans, please divert your course 15 degrees to the north, to avoid a collision canadians recommend you divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid a collision americans this is a captain of a u.s navy ship i say again divert your course canadians no i say again you divert your course americans this is the aircraft carrier uss lincoln the second largest ship in the united states atlantic fleet we are accompanied by three destroyers, three cruisers, and numerous support vessels. I demand that you change your course 15 degrees north. That is one five degrees north, or countermeasures will be undertaken to ensure the safety of this ship. Canadians, this is a lighthouse. Your call. How the bravado game works. Anyway, so so that's our, our take on that purpose and... Uh, Grab the worksheet from the, the site as you do it. You know, if you have challenges with it, then call into the show tomorrow and ask questions, and we'll do our best to support you in, uh, in really, truly tapping into what your real purpose is. And then what do you do to bring it into expression? So. Awesome. Great question, Jim. Thank you. Thanks for bringing that forward. We haven't talked about purpose in quite a while on the show. Any other thoughts from your end?
4: Well, my, my thought would be that just sharing the personal experience that having applied that tool in my life has been immeasurably beneficial, and it it is what I'm using every day to guide what I do.
3: I'm with you on that. Well, let's check with Jeannie and see what our caller's got to say.
2: Okay, the first caller is area code five four one. You're on the air. Oops. Is this Hold Julie from way
3: out there in Oregon?
2: The button didn't click. That's my fault, Julie. You should be on there Yeah,
0: yeah, I was on mute there. So um, there we go. I would like to tell you um how things transpired from yesterday with regard to your subject matter today and i'd first like to say that it's an honor and a pleasure and a first choice for me to be um in the company of and supported by this family of people And, and when i hear your commitments to the work and to others and to yourself um and your personal codes. I'm talking about you, Jeannie, you, Dr. Tim, and you, Michael Rice. Um, and I know that most people who have been exposed to this uh, work and who continue to work with it and, and are currently connecting with you, we all carry um, a commitment that's really deep inside of us um, that is um, a personal code. Anyway, I've had a hard time knowing what that is for a while and I'd like to say that my experience yesterday of not knowing how I was going to get myself to be intensive, but I did know that I wanted to and my willingness was there except for some barriers that Michael helped me uh, see um, that is just like a lighthouse It's a shining light when I don't know what I'm doing. Um, for example, I, we, the barrier we, we uncovered together yesterday was that I have, um, layers of undeserving and not being okay to do what I want. Therefore I almost obscure what I want constantly. Um, when I got to the liberation that you you uh, helped open for me yesterday, I was able to say yes to all, you know, there were about three or four things that I was choosing between. Like, well, if I do this, then I can't do that. And if I do that, I can't do this. And I got to a point where I could say yes to all of them, basically by canceling them as goals and then... Just everything was yes and new potential, and um, and so a lot of them that looked like they could be a yes just sort of went away just by that liberation. And what I got down to was the true yes, is most committed to my personal code and my and my personal commitment and my personal power, which is to come be with you people and study these things, and that's really big Um, and I'm grateful that I even know that there's a personal code inside me that exists and that I could look for it I'm getting better at looking for it and having it be present when I make certain decisions so thank you for that Um, I wanted to just share that with anybody else who might be considering going or who's new to the work or you know the, the value of just staying with it and and asking for support when you need it. I, I I, I, didn't know how to ask for support, but I communicated what was going on with me yesterday, and I was offered support, and I said yes to it, and that was very beneficial. And, Michael, one more thing. I'd just like to share that something that uncovered inside me when you were pointing to my power persons and the background that you know about me, which is, my parents divorced and there was a split in who do I go with and choose. Um, Way back when I was 12 years old was the year that they decided to divorce and I was told about that decision in the month of August as we were coming back from vacation. I was coming back, it had been just my father and my brother and I. My mother didn't go because she was I guess finalizing her decision, and they were on the phone, and you know there was this angst going on, and then that we were told when we found that when we got home, we found out that that was going to happen, and we were going to lose the house. you know, it had to be sold, and just the whole um, what seemed secure was going to be shaken up quite a bit. And energetically, I got that. And so what I'm recreating this year as I'm trying to choose to go to my intensive with you, Michael, is that um, I suddenly was split and had to choose between things at that time. And that's what I had set myself up with this, um, you know, scenario where I had – a possible home that I could buy and sell this, my, the one I'm in. And that was stirring up a lot of trauma and stress that I didn't want to go through now because it's like the timing's not right and I wasn't even looking. So it was a surprise energy. And so the similar energy was still inside me and probably still is. And I was well, able look to
3: at the, look at the replica of mine replicating what go was ahead. there.
0: Pardon me. Just
3: saying that, I mean, it's it's pretty close to the same dynamic as you were going through at the age of twelve in the month of August. Home choosing, where do I go? Losing my home, going somewhere else. That's uh, that sounds like some uh, some powerful work to do. That sounds like some uh, very uh, powerful potential worksheets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So.
0: Um... It, it, and that just validates, again, that when we are willing to do the steps of the worksheet um, or at least receive support to help guide us when we forget, Ruka um, de Kucha is always there to be gently and softly give us the next insight you know, as to what, where all these connections are coming from. And so, um, I just, that's why I'm so committed to this work is because there's nowhere else that goes this far with it. And, um, I'm healing energies inside me that have been blocking me from going as far as I can go with it. So, um, it just feels good to be solid again with that commitment. And so I have researched online for a plane ticket. I've found a pretty perfect one last night in the wee hours. I need to pay for it and I um I'm holding the space that it is the same fare or better when I go back to buy it. <laughs> and um I've got right. a pet sitter lined up and um things will happen. Things are good. I'm gonna be there
3: awesome well we hold the space and support you in allowing all of those underlying you know when you put this whole experience what you shared with us yesterday and today again in context and you know the world of psychology tells us that at least 90 to 95 percent of our mental processes are unconscious the beauty of the forgiveness process from the first century aramaic is that it shows us our unconscious dynamics so now we can look at All of those things that affect our perception, decisions, and behavior and have charge over our perception, decisions, and behavior rather than be run by unconscious dynamics that leave us wondering what the heck happened. So very powerful. What a great demonstration of the principles.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's really weird because in that era of time when I was 12 and thereafter, you know, I had two sets of variables to please. I, ha- I became a people pleaser and an accommodator uh, of both parents who were fighting against each other. So I had to split myself to, uh, to, I guess, I took on the role of guiding them through it. I became a counselor type. And um, what I was going to say about that is that how it showed up today in my life in this, these last few this week is that um, a house suddenly appeared on the horizon for me to buy that seemed to fit this picture of exactly what I have always wanted and yet I knew that I, I there was something about not buying into it it was just an illusion I know that out there isn't where I find my happiness and things get fixed and so um, I wasn't really needing at all to go forward with that process of buying a home. Although I was noticing all the other energies surrounding it, the stress and the why can't I have what I want and all that. So um, what I'm saying is a lot of times for me, what I'm now noticing is that when I'm in conflict because I'm having to make choices, I go into thinking I have to split myself and I'm not really making choices they all look good, they all look equal, mom and dad are both good, and why? how could I ever choose against one and for the other, and um, that's that's the illusion, that's the picture that I project from the energies that are going on inside of me. It was then, and it is now, I create more pictures now that seem like good ideas, and Yet I don't want to choose from those energies anymore, so um, I, I have more caution. And with your nice help catch. yesterday, thank you for getting me further along. So.
3: Well, nice catch, and, you know, it's it's interesting that the Aramaic is the only language on the planet that has a particular suffix, that, when you add it to a word, indicates that our perception, decisions, and behaviors are being controlled from the unconscious level there was a full understanding 2000 years ago of how the unconscious worked and whenever they added uta oota, oota to a word that meant that something that was firing in the unconscious such as the things you just described, just described that you normally wouldn't set your life up to look at all of a sudden are changing impacting shifting the energies moving at the conscious level and affecting perception decisions and behavior and when i make the unconscious conscious you know that beautiful statement of um, carl Jung, who says those who look without dream If we're looking at the pictures in our minds and we think we're looking outside of us, we're looking at a dream. We're looking at the end result of the firing of all of these unconscious dynamics within us. And those who look within, he says, awaken. And, you know, this is exactly what the awakening process looks like. So congratulations and thank you for having the courage to share it in public so that everybody can get a look and and have that bird's eye view.
0: Yeah. You're welcome, and 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 uh, yes, um, and I did go through some grief and facing myself in the mirror yesterday and bringing myself back to love um, for the few moments that I had before I had another commitment, and um, and it feels so good and it is so different to really be restored than to be covering it up with hoping I'm okay. <laughs> Yeah,
3: Nice work, lady. That's awesome.
0: Okay, well, I'll let you go. I'll let me go. I've got to and I'll. Blessings. Thank you so much. We'll
3: be okay, seeing we'll you. We'll be in touch. Take
0: care. Bye. Blessings. Mm-hmm. Bye bye. That's fabulous. awesome
3: to have such a, uh, a, a bird's eye, you know, just a concise picture. If you weren't on yesterday's show, you might give a listen and uh, just listen to what Julie shared and the process she went through. And And the end result of just, you know, bringing the unconscious dynamics that are there to awareness and removing the biases that happen as a result of those unconscious energies moving. So, and you look at, you go back to Yeshua 2,000 years ago, because this is the root of everything we're doing, and Yeshua says, take care of the heart, for out of it are the issues in life. And what... Julie just described to us how the issues in her life were in her heart, her unconscious. We, You know, in the West, it's interesting, we couldn't even translate that word heart until just a few decades ago when the unconscious was rediscovered. So you'll notice Yeshua is, Yeshua is really clear. He's saying, no, don't take care of what's going on out there in your life. Take care of what's going on inside of you. He defines the Pharisee in his work. And he says, you Pharisees. You keep the outside of the cup and the platter clean and pristine, but your inward parts are filled with, and it's interesting, the Greeks translate it as ravening and wickedness. It's just hostility and fear. And so when hostility and fear is resonating in that hidden part of the mind, it biases and, and leaves people in confusion and loss and out of harmony with their purpose. Bring all that forward, clean it up, and alignment happens, and clarity happens, and healing happens, and it's just uh, just awesome. So, congratulations on giving us a really concise view of what it looks like to take care of the heart, your own unconscious dynamics, and the power of the worksheet to bring to awareness, to empower us to drop into the hidden parts of the mind, so we're no longer biased by things we're hiding from ourselves. It's just, it makes all the difference. So. Awesome work, awesome work Jeannie, do you have another caller for us?
2: We actually have three more callers And I was just chatting with Michelle in the chat room You keep saying that you want to um, Go to my women's intensive Well, you're going to end up with A Laws of Living women's intensive You and Ari And I think now you've got nine or ten women So (laughs) you get to do it after I watch what you ask for
3: (laughs) I will, yes Yes, we are getting a full house here for that
2: yeah, for for sure. The next caller is eight oh eight. You're on
1: the air. Is this Roma? Oh yes. Hi.
2: Yeah, hey there, young Roma. lady, welcome.
1: Oh thank you, thank you. I just wanted to um share um regarding uh, discovering one's purpose that I have a memory of being a baby just able my my spine was just able to hold me up sitting on the floor. And I remember sitting on the floor in front of one of those old radios they had in the nineteen forties that they were you know about as tall as your waist and had a um fabric cover where the sound would come out, and hearing a uh, some lady on the radio going Ooh, and listening to that and thinking, "She's not doing that right, I'm gonna do that when I grow up and <laughs> <Awesome>. um <laughs> So it's like I knew from long time what I wanted to do, and sure enough, you know, 1968, I got on a plane and flew to New York City on the last Sunday of August, and the next day I had my first Broadway show. So so it worked out real, real good. And,
3: cool. um, sounds like August has been an important month seems, for a lot of people.
1: Excuse me? Say it again?
3: I say it sounds like August has been an important month for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, yeah, August. Interesting. Uh-huh. And Julie, that was such deep sharing. Thank you so much. I'm so pleased that you're going to be there with with the work that you love so deeply. So, um, yeah, the process of singing then brought me to my next career, which was ministry, because you can't sing without going to your heart. I'm sure most people know that. I never met any human being that didn't tell me they wanted to sing And that's because we want to uncover our hearts. We want to open our hearts and just allow the force of life and love to flow from them, you know. So that was, of course, uh, a very important part of my career as a singer. And that led me then to go directly to my heart and be a minister. So it it was beautiful when I realized how one career created the space and the way for the next one. And uh, it was just an inevitable path. So I feel very blessed and very lucky. And I wanted to tell you that I was uh, researching. There's a movie that just came out a, a few days ago which stars Merle Streep and Hugh Grant. It's called Flores Fo- Foster Jenkins. And this was a lady who lived in the 40s and the 50s, and she loved music so much. And she wanted to be an opera singer, and she was an heiress, but she couldn't sing for the life of her. She'd go, you know, and it was, it was, right. it was and I, was, I just realized yesterday, oh, my God, because she actually was on a radio program around the time that I would have been a newborn baby, and it might have been Florence Foster Jenkins, Um, who actually inspired me with the love of music that made me want to be a singer when I grew up, even though she couldn't sing for the life of her.
4: So it's going to be a very
1: (laughs) funny movie, I'm sure, and I just wanted to contribute. I loved your story about the American and Canadian uh, exchanges. That was a hoot. So I just recommend. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I'm sure it's going to be awesome because those are two great stars. And it's a, it's a very interesting topic. This lady actually lived. She actually existed. And who knows, maybe she was the one that set me on my path.
3: That's pretty cool. We'll, uh, we'll think of you as we're watching the movie. I'm sure we'll get to see it. Very <laughs> okay. sweet. Awesome. Yes. All right, young lady, you have a blessed
1: one. Okay. Aloha.
3: Aloha. Jeannie?
2: Well, the other caller uh, has dropped off. I think it was Michelle, your niece. Uh, so, Michelle, if you're still on there, press 1. It'll put you back in queue. But otherwise, nobody has their hand up right now.
3: Well, we've got about 10 minutes left, so if you're on one of those stations where we can't see you in our control panel or you're in the chat room and you'd like to ask a question and do it verbally, if you call into our call-in number, 646 646- 200-4169. That will put you in queue. And if you're in queue and you push a 1, the magic of technology will put a little hand up in the computer here in Theodosia, Missouri, and Jeannie will go, oh, there's somebody who wants to talk to us. So cool, this technology. I and mean, such a blessing. So if you have a question for us, you know, if, if uh, you'd been sitting in an audience where Dr. Tim, Jeannie and I,
0: Julie, Roma, you know,
3: we were, oh, let's go for it.
0: Area code
2: 336, you're on the air. Who do we have?
1: John from Greensboro. Could, could Welcome, you please? lady. Thank you. I missed the um, Canadian-American thing that was a hoot. Can you do it real fast for me?
3: It's a pretty quick story, and it's worth repeating, yes. And so this is purportedly an actual conversation that took place on radio communications from You knew a U.S. naval ship and Canadian authorities off the coast of Newfoundland back in 1995, and it goes like this. Americans, please divert your course 15 degrees to the north to avoid a collision. Canadians, recommend you divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid a collision. Americans, this is the captain of the U.S. Navy ship. I say again, divert your course. Canadians, no, I say again, you divert your course. Americans... This is the aircraft carrier USS Lincoln, the second largest ship in the United States Atlantic Fleet. We are accompanied by three destroyers, three cruisers, and numerous support vessels. I demand that you change your course 15 degrees to the north. That is one five degrees north, or countermeasures will be taken to ensure the safety of this ship. Canadians, this is a lighthouse. Your call. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Bravado thank thank Weakness so masquerading is strength Well <laughs> oh, that's great, thank you Delighted I love that story And, you know, it's, it's kind of a It points to a sad fact that is, uh, On average, men die 10 years earlier than women do And I think that story tells us why It's the bravado. It's the disintegrative energy that we engage in to try to puff ourselves up beyond what we are. And when we actually realize the magnificence of who we are by living our purpose and allow that sweet, awesome presence of love to come forward, bravado, machoism will disappear, and we'll start to live as human beings again, and that's what we're here to inspire and support in the world. So so thanks for giving me the opportunity to uh, share that story again. By the way, uh, something Jeannie and I were sharing yesterday, she was asking me to mute my phone as um, people were talking uh, because there was a possibility that someone might interpret the fact that I'm breathing as frustration at why are you sharing that silly thing when we could be doing something meaningful. But the truth is I hang in the background, and I consciously, purposely breathe, and I breathe loud enough so you can hear me, especially when there's something going on that that's, needs to be processed, as a reminder to keep breathing. The whole idea, you know, if you go back to the original Aramaic, where they tell us in the Greek scriptures that God sent out his spirit, it doesn't say that. It says God sent out his breath. It's our direct link. And when we keep that energy moving, we can process whatever needs to be processed, At an accelerated rate. And so if you ever hear me doing that kind of breath, it's in order to uh, inspire and support the person on the other end of the phone breathing. And sometimes what's being shared is resonating something for me and I need to remind myself to keep breathing and keep that energy moving. So the breath is the master processor. It's the key to the whole thing. One of the things, actually, we're getting ready to do energy field work, to do the training on energy field work in the intensive today, and then tomorrow we'll do still point breathing. And it is just the most amazing, unfathomable tool you could ever imagine. What people go through, what people it's just beyond comprehension. You know, I remember a young man who actually he's a friend of mine from Springfield who's a body worker, and we used to exchange uh, session time. And I went up one day to work with him, and I walk in his office, and there's this is a guy who's, you know, bright, cheery, Mr. Healer Man. He's out there. And there is this dark cloud in the room that is just... Oppressive. I say, what's what's going on for you? And uh, he said, Well, I I was just told by my wife that she doesn't love me anymore, that she's in love with a man in Colorado, and that she's going to pack up her house and my daughter, who's the apple of my eye, and move to Colorado. And I was really seriously concerned that he would commit suicide. He was so depressed. And after some conversation, this was I don't know a Wednesday or Thursday, that Friday we were starting a nine day why is this happening to me again workshop. So I said, Look, you know, obviously you're not in shape to work. Why don't you come down and be in the intensive? So he chose to do that. And about day four or five of the intensive, he came to me and said, You know, Michael, I just can't sit here anymore, I just can't do this anymore, I'm gonna leave. And there's just, you know, the whole time there's been this cloud over his head. And so I suggest that, you know, tomorrow is going to be the day we're going to do Still Point. How about just staying one more day and see what happens? So he agreed to do that. The next day, he's his turn to lay down and breathe, and he does that. And, I mean, he's been walking around the center with, you know, I mean, I've watched Knives because... I'm concerned he'll hurt himself. He gets up from his breath breast session and he is 100% back, full-blown, Mr. Chipper, Mr. Healer Man. It's like, what happened? He said, well, I was breathing along and thinking I'm not getting aware nothing's happening here. This is a waste of my time. And all of a sudden he said, Yeshua grabbed me by the shoulders And he replicated the voice That he heard inside his head And said You've got to let her go And that was it That was the end of his trauma In regard to His wife leaving and taking his dog Now he wasn't happy about it But he wasn't in depression And so much pain that he could hardly function I went up to do a session with him the next week And we have a loose arrangement And, uh, you know, if he keeps his phone on And if his phone rings He takes a new mission from our session And goes and answers it And he answers his phone when it rings And says, yeah, okay, honey Uh-huh, okay, well, what do you need? Okay, well, I'll, I'll pick it up on the way home And bring it by And, you know, just totally, completely connected to love And it's his wife saying You know, she's packing And she needs this and this and that would he pick it up on the way back? Again, not that he likes it, but he doesn't have to be in trauma about something happening outside of him because he's learned to stay connected to love inside of him. When we learn that, we don't have to do the drama and trauma games of the world. And forgiveness is the thing, and still point breathing is one of the keys to that, for removing those energetic patterns that have us so hypnotized that we think that we're, there's nothing else but the trauma that we're in. So that's what we're here to, uh, to support and bring forward into the world, and we're down to the last minute or so. Jeannie, maybe you want to talk for a few seconds about uh, the intensive coming up in September in Michigan. I think you've got three or four spaces left, so why don't you share that?
2: We actually have um, – we're allowing both residential and commuters – And so we have space for three more residential and four more commuters. And it starts on Thursday, September the 15th at 5 o'clock. And we go Thursday night, Friday all day, Saturday all day, and up until lunch on Sunday, September the 18th. And it's – It's going to be really powerful, the the flyer. There's pictures of the home. It's absolutely beautiful. Thank you, Michelle, for opening the space for us to do this. We have uh, several young ladies in their 20s that are coming, and then, of course, several of ladies that are, you know, mine and Michelle's age. And uh, so it's, it's going to be a good mixture. We've got mothers and daughters coming, and we're really looking forward to all of us holding the space while we each heal. And so if you are interested in that or you think that you would be interested in that, uh, please get a hold of me sooner than later because it is almost full.
3: Awesome. So so you've got several in their 20s and then several in your age range in their 40s, eh? Oh, cool. That's awesome.
2: You got it, baby. <laughs>
3: All right. Well, we're down the last few seconds. Have the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world blessings.